Hey, today I want to begin a short series today on worship, and I want to look today at what worship is and what worship isn't. Now, just in case you were unsure, this video is a little bit of a satire. Um, worship is not about us, and let me give you right to the bottom line to tell us that. It's not about us. In, in fact, I want to say this, it's not about music. Now, I know that we sometimes kind of get a little bit confused by that because we do have parts of the service that for designation purposes, when we are singing songs, we call it the, the worship part of the service, but, but worship is not about music. Right. Now, while worship is an incredible platform for worship, because worship is the thing that, that, that stirs us up emotionally, it, it sets our heart in right directions and stuff, and it's one of the reasons why it's so important that you need to be careful what kind of music that you're actually listening to. You are, because when you spend a lot of times listening to your cheating heart, you're going to find yourself kind of stuck in some stuff and your heart heading in a wrong direction. But when we learn how to sing songs that are in alignment with the Word of God, and we learn how to lift up our voices in praise to God, it's amazing how our day begins to go in a right direction. Now listen, I'm, I'm not today to, trying to say that secular music is bad and that you shouldn't listen to it. I'm just saying you've got to be careful because music does open up our hearts. But listen, worship is not about us. It, it hasn't been about us and it never will be about us. Worship is about our king. Worship is about our father. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we often express worship through music. In fact, if you're here today and maybe you're a guest with us today and, and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, what you're experiencing during the, the, the singing part of the song of the service earlier is you are experiencing followers of Jesus Christ lifting up our voices in worship through singing. And, and the reason why we, we shout and the reason why we clap and dance and, and get a little excited and stuff isn't because our favorite sports team, Dallas Cowboys, won or something like that. It's not because of that. It's because we're worshiping our king. We're reminding ourselves about the goodness of God. We're focusing our lives so that we recognize that our God's a good God who's provided for us, forgiven us, and he's worthy of all of our praise. Listen, I want to say this. While it's not about music it's a lifestyle. And so while singing can be used, also praying is a form of worship. Declaring the promises of God is a form of worship. When you're conversing and you're speaking about the goodness of God, it's a form of worship. In fact, even preaching is a form of worship. Okay, so I hope today your, your, your heart and mind will get opened up a little bit to understand what worship is because I know that you may not see me as a worship leader, but every time I or someone gets on this platform is talking about the goodness of God, we are worship leading. Are y'all picking up what I'm laying down today? Because through the messages, we are leading you to refocus your attention, your affections, your thoughts on the goodness of God. And as we talk about the goodness of God, all of a sudden inside of you, you might be reminded because you forgot during the week and in the middle of a challenge about the goodness of God, you might be reminded and suddenly the, the, the spirit, your spirit begins to stand up and you begin to say, God, thank you. God, thank you that you're so good. Thank you, God, today that I am in right standing with you because of you. Thank you, God, today that you are my healer, that you are my provider. And I want to say this just kind of as a quick side note um, that about what I do as a pastor and for those of us that lead you. 
we don't ever take what we do lightly. All right, we're, we're very serious about the call that's on our life, and God has called me to shepherd this local flock. He's, he's called me to do that. He's called those of us that are in a, put in leadership positions. He's charged us with this. Look at this verse in Hebrews. It says that we are charged to keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. And listen, so everything that we ever share with you is for your consideration. All right? I, I want you to understand that, that we're, we're trying to light a path of the abundant life for you to walk on. But it's for your consideration because you get to decide if you're going to allow us to lead you or not. All right? And listen, we sometimes think of leadership as the, that I'm the dominant person and, and you're just, you know, nothing but just these followers. Listen, I lead leaders. And, and as leaders, and I'm talking about everyone here today because we believe every one of you have a leadership gift in you because leadership is influence. I lead leaders and we should be leading society. We should be leading society to understand the goodness of God and, and his promises and favor for their life. So God has called me to shepherd, but you get to consider it. Because see, as in your life, we're responsible to you meaning we're responsible to share truth, we're responsible to, to help you understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, but we're not responsible for you, all right? I'll tell you, for me as a pastor, it was one of the greatest days when I understood I'm not responsible for your decisions. I'm not responsible for your direction. I'm just responsible to shine the light on the path that God has for you. Listen, I realize as a society, we have major trust issues, we really do. You don't have to turn on the news and listen to it very long when there's some political leader or some spiritual leader that has let us down again. And I think we all know that we're imperfect, right? And I think we also know that everyone else is imperfect. And so because God's given grace to us, we need to give grace to one another. But listen, God has called me to pastor you, perfect or imperfect. My wife didn't know that until just now. But perfect <laughs> or imperfect, God has called me to lead you. And he's called you to, if you're a part of this local body, then he's, allow me and the other pastors and leaders to direct your path. Help us, let us be, be receiving from us what it is we're saying. Because there's a part in every one of us that struggles when we feel like we're being told to do something. All right? Now, it may not be you, but it might be your neighbor. We all struggle when we feel like we're being told to do something. A few weeks ago, I walked into the kitchen um, back here at the, the, um, at the church, and there was a can of Pringles sitting over there. Now, how many of you have ever had a, opened up a can of Pringles, and you tried to eat just one? right? Like 40 Pringles later, you were still munching down on them, right? And, and there was a can of Pringles sitting over there, and they had a little sticky note on it that said, do not touch. Now, how many of you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to walk over, and I wanted to touch it because they were telling me not to touch it. And sometimes when we get told not to do something, we actually want to do the thing that we're being told not to do. And if we're being told not to do something, then we actually want to go do that. And so, just so you know, I didn't touch it, by the way. Didn't touch it because I recognize there's probably a reason why they don't want me to touch it. I know what it is. They don't want me to eat it, right? They don't want me to open it up and eat it. And when we begin to understand the reason behind something, it helps us walk in it. But sometimes we have to walk in it even before we understand the reason for it. Because sometimes we don't have a full revelation of things that I'm sharing with you or other people are sharing with you. But I'm telling you, the more that you just begin to walk in allowing other people to speak into your life, you're walking more of the fullness of life. 
uh, I, I've shared with you guys my, my trek about working out and exercise. I, about a year ago, absolutely hated to exercise. I'm to the place now on vacation. I exercised nine of the days that I was gone. That's a change in my life, and it's simply because I've had a trainer that's talking to me all the time about the importance of exercise and, ha- and being disciplined in it to where now I bought into it. I, I, I love to exercise, and, and I don't love it every morning. I don't pop out of bed going, woohoo, you know, kind of a deal. But I do love to exercise because I like the fact that my body's changing. I'm getting more fit. Now, I know I've still got a ways to go, so I'm not like, a, hey, yeah, I've arrived or anything. But, but I love the fact that my body's changing. And why? Because I allowed Daniel to say, this is what you need to do when I didn't understand it. Is that making sense? So what I'm really asking you is allow me to pastor you. Come, come every Sunday and, and have an open heart. Have an, have an open mind about what it is that I'm talking to you about. So I'm a worship leader, all right? Which, by the way, you're a worship leader too. Every one of us are worship leaders. In fact, you, want, you are a preacher and a proclaimer of the gospel. I don't know about that. Listen, when you're talking to your kids and your kids are talking defeat and you're saying, look, you're a mighty woman of God. Or you're a mighty man of God. I want you to know that you're proclaiming and you're a preacher of the gospel. So we are worship leaders. The question is, is are we leading people to worship God with our lives? Because we're all worshiping something. We're either worshiping God or we're worshiping our money. We're worshiping our kids. We're worshiping our time, whatever it might be, and we need to be leading people to worship God because everything we do as a church is wrapped up in this idea of worship where we're turning our attention and our thoughts to our king. In fact, it's one of the reasons why it's so important to show up on Sundays to get refocused, recalibrated to worship your king because when we do that, there is transformative power that takes place. When we're worshiping God, that's the moments that you're going to be healed, restored, and delivered in your life. So every time that we set our heart towards the king, something is about to change. It's one of the reasons why we're constantly encouraging you. Come on, lift your hands. Come on, step into this moment of worship. Because sometimes we come in and we just don't feel like worshiping God. Sometimes you're going to come and you're not going to feel like a Christian. All right, your feelings have absolutely nothing to do with your worship, has nothing to do with your position of who you are in Christ Jesus. You just have to learn how to discipline the flesh to recognize, I want to connect with God today because I need a fresh touch of God in my life. Can I get an amen? Amen. So we're changed, we're transformed. In fact, look at this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says this, but we all with unveiled face. What's that mean? It means that because of what Jesus has done, the veil has been taken down. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Oh, Pastor Richie, I'd love to see the glory of the Lord. You know what James talks about when it's talking about the mirror? It's talking about the word of God. So every time we're looking into the word of God, which by the way, we don't read the word of God to understand the rules and the regulations. We read the word of God to discover the person of Jesus. In fact, when you look at the Old Testament, it's Jesus concealed. When you look at the New Testament, it's Jesus revealed. So we're beholding the glory of God. So every time I get into the word of God, that's a form of worship of God. Thank you that you're so amazing in my life. And we're being transformed into that same image from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. Listen, God wants you to be continually transformed. Listen, there is so much pain, so much suffering in our world that creates so much damage in our lives that we need to learn how to step into a moment of worship and allow the power of God to bring healing into our lives. Sometimes we don't even know that we're damaged. 
We don't, sometimes we don't even know that we have these areas that are not right with God because we're comparing ourselves to the rest of our family or some other people we know, and we go, wow, I'm doing amazing. So we've got to allow God to do a transformative work in our lives. How does it happen? Through worship. And I'm telling you, every Sunday you come, it doesn't mean that you'll be emotionally stirred, but it means that your life will be changed. All right. So today I want to look at a spontaneous worship event that took place in Luke chapter 19. We see Jesus is making his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Now, this is Palm Sunday, which is the week before Easter Sunday. It's, it's five days before Jesus is going to go to the cross, and he comes into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. Now, he didn't come in on a horse like he's some general and, and commander. He came in very lowly uh, on a donkey, and it was fulfilling a lot of prophecies. In fact, that entire week, there were a, a lot of Old Testament prophecies that were fulfilled. And here's what it says in Luke chapter 19. Follow along with me, as you would, if you will. And it says that as he went along, people spread their cloaks on, cloaks on the road. And when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Now, the first thing that I want you to notice is that they praise God with loud voices. All right? Now, I know a lot of people will come to this church and they'll go, man, that church is just so loud. The people, the people... The people sing so loud, the, the music's so loud, the pastor preaches so loud, it's just, it's just so loud. Listen, we, we aren't doing loud for loud's sake, but loud is the reason or the result of passion. Listen, sometimes you're going, Pastor Rich, you just get so loud. Listen, when I get excited, I can't help but get passionate about God and talk about his goodness and his faithfulness to me. Listen, and just so you know, it isn't just for me. I want you to have this too. I want you to be able to walk in the transformative power that God wants to do in your life. Listen, sometimes people go, you're just trying to get us emotional. Listen, apathy is an emotion just like excitement. And we don't want to allow apathy to step in when we're stepping into the presence of the king. We want to shout and sing his praises. Listen, nobody had to tell the people to be loud. Nobody had to do it. But you know what? We made church this little reverent. Oh, yes. God bless you, brother. And I'm telling you, when you get passionate about something, I've seen some of you watch sporting events. Yeah, when your favorite team wins or they make a touchdown or hit a home run, whatever, man, you are up all over the place running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Can I tell you, that's what we need to be doing in worship every Sunday. Every Sunday, we need to be shouting the praises of God and lifting up our voices. And listen, hey, I want to speak to some of you that have already stepped into this, but because others around you weren't stepping into it, don't quit worshiping God with passion. Don't stop. Continue to lift up your voice and shout about the goodness of God. Listen, I'd rather have to go, whoa, whoa, settle down, no stage diving during worship, all right? I would much rather have that than, come on, let's worship God. Come on, don't forget he's good. Hey, remember that God saved you. Hey, remember that God set you free. They're loud. They're loud, loud, loud. I'm telling you, the devil hates it when you get loud. He does. Why are they loud? For all of the miracles that they had seen. I want to ask you today, has God done any miracles in your life? Go ahead and nod at me if he has. Listen, if you're here today, a follower of Jesus Christ, he's done a miracle in your life. If you're here today and you're breathing, which I think is everybody, he's done a miracle in your life. If you're here today and you've got clothes on, thank you for doing that, he's done a miracle in your life. 
But listen, here's what I know about human nature. When we get in a challenging time or a difficult time, it's easy for us to remember how good our God is. Now, we don't think it's us, but we do recognize it, moms and dads, with our kids. You love them. You birth them. You brought them into the world, as my mom used to say, and I could take you out, right? You take them to school. You buy clothes for them. You feed them. You take them to the doctor. You take them to the dentist. You do all these things. And then one time, you don't do something for them, and suddenly, you're the worst parent ever, right? We see that. Can you imagine how God feels with us sometimes? God, you saved me. God, you've forgiven me. God, you've healed me. God, you provided for me. Thank you, God, so much. Oh, what's going on here? <laughs> right? We are forgetful hearers sometimes. So listen, I want to say this because I think this is important for you and I to understand about worship. If God did not do one more thing for us, if we just had to look back at what he's just done and the rest of our life's just going to be mediocre or just barely getting by, you and I could worship God throughout eternity. We could shout his praises and we could dance and we could sing and we'd just be incredibly thankful because we understand how good and amazing our God actually is. So with a loud voice they said, verse 38, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, how many of you know anytime you start worshiping, there's always going to be some Pharisees in the crowd? Some people that have a religious spirit that, look, you're way too excited about Jesus. Now you need to calm down. They said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Watch how Jesus replies. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Listen, and this is important, and I know it's important because I put a little asterisk by it. Worship is far more central and foundational to Christianity than we realize. Let me say it again. Worship is far more central and foundational to Christianity than we realize. Because a lot of times we think that the, the singing part where we're going to worship God in part of the service is just some filler to get to this time. For those of you that think the 1115 service starts at 1130, that we can get you here before the word of God is preached. All right? Listen, if you're late, it's okay. We still love you. Come on in. All right? But listen, it's not filler. Worship, the, the singing and making declarations about the goodness of God is not filler. Because there's sometimes when you're singing songs that you don't even believe. You don't, you just heard the song and you're singing, how great is our God. Sing with me, how great. And all of a sudden it begins to get into your spirit because you're worshiping. And suddenly you begin to go, you know what? God is great. God is good. God is an amazing God who loves to do good things in our life. So Jesus was saying, look, if the humans don't speak up and do what I designed them to do, the rocks are going to cry out. Because here's why. All of creation knows why it was created, to bring glory to God. So the people are declaring with a loud voice, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And I believe they were all doing it in unison because this would have been a worship song that they would have known. In fact, it would have been on the iPhone of every Jewish person in Israel. It would have been on the, the playlist because they were declaring a Psalms from Psalms 118. And Psalms 118 is a de declaration about how God had delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt. So every Jewish person would have known this song. They would have been declaring the song similar to the church today, knowing the song Amazing Grace. 
Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Sing with me. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Close your eyes. Let's sing it one more time. Amazing How sweet the sound that saved I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Isn't it sometimes just good to go old school? Just sing about the praises of God. It would have been a song that every one of them knew. And so as Jesus is entering the city, within five days, he's going to be crucified. And just so you know, because you hear this from time to time during Easter, that Jesus was murdered. Jesus was not murdered. Jesus willingly laid down his life for you and I to save us. He willingly gave his life, paid the penalty for our sin that you and I did not have to pay the penalty for sin today. So they're loudly praising God. Blessed is the king, which by the way, they added the word king, meaning they now made this messianic. They made it a a prophetic messianic declaration because they were seeing Jesus as their Messiah. So possibly thousands of people, because historians say that there were probably 100,000 people in Jerusalem at this time, lifting praises to God. And they're basically declaring about Jesus, you are the one who will deliver us from our captivity. And what they were saying was more than a song, more than a chorus. Their words were jammed with prophetic fulfillment of the coming Messiah. They were saying, just as you delivered our ancestors from Egyptian captivity, you will deliver us. You see, the problem was is they didn't understand the way that Jesus was going to deliver them. What they thought was Jesus was going to come as a conquering king and he was going to remove the Roman government and set up an earthly government. And while that would have been good for the children of Israel if he'd done that, that would have been horrible for the rest of mankind and the rest of history. But Jesus saw beyond just the temporary thing and he saw an eternal thing, which is a great reminder for you and I because when God does not answer our prayers like we would like them to have answered, we have to understand that he sometimes has a bigger idea and a bigger picture about what's going on in our life. And because he's God and because he's good, we can trust him. They didn't, he didn't answer the way that, that they thought that he would. In fact, in the other three Gospels, in Matthew chapter 21, Mark 11, and John 12 of this story, which, by the way, when you read it, they all kind of give different accounts of the story, and it's not because they're contradicting of it. It's like if you and I saw an event out there, we would see different parts of it. And the more people you get seeing an event, the more understanding about the event you actually get. So it's incredible to read all of, all of the Gospels. But in the other three Gospels, they're shouting out the name Hosanna. Yeah. Hosanna, Hosanna. Have you ever heard the name Hosanna? Yeah. 
If you've been in church for any period of time, you've heard this name Hosanna, and Hosanna has to become a, a, a name of worship and adoration, but it actually means save us. In, in, in fact, it's interesting that they were declaring a twofold purpose, that as they were declaring Hosanna, as Jesus entered, they were saying that you brought us out. You have brought us out and saved us. Now save us where we're at. And, and here's what I know about worshipers that worship God in spirit and in truth. Listen, you will never worship God in spirit and in truth if you're always worshiping God based upon your circumstances. If you're worshiping him based upon the situation that you're dealing with in the moment. You see, sometimes God has brought you out of some things that you can worship him for. God, thank you that you healed me. God, thank you that you delivered me. Thank you that you restored me. God, thank you that you're faithful. God, thank you that you have provided this job for me. God, thank you that you provided my spouse for me. God, thank you that for my children. God, thank you, thank you, thank you. But sometimes you're having to praise him for something that he's about to do. When you're in the middle of the, this, what Paul calls a temporary light affliction, you have to understand that God is taking you through something, even though he didn't do it and doesn't want it to happen in your life, he's going to take what the enemy meant for evil, he's going to use it for your good and for his glory. Sometimes you got to praise him when things are going great, but I'm telling you, you got to praise him when things are going challenged, when you're being challenged with things. So every Sunday when we come, it's not based on, let me see how, do I like the song list? Okay, yeah, I guess I'll worship God today. Or we come in with an attitude of, God, thank you. Thank you for your great grace. And we do what the Word of God says. We, we lift up holy hands. We lift our voices. We clap. We shout. We dance. Because that's what the Word of God says about worship. It's a declaration of what God's doing. So we have a tendency to only see things that are happening in the moment. But what we have to do is we've got to look at God's track record. We've got to look at the full body of work of what it is that God is actually is doing in our life and has done in our life. Because even though we may not like where we're at right now, we, we may not like what's going on in our marriage. We may not like what's going on in our health. We may not like what's going on in our finances or in some relationships that are going on. We, we may be a little disappointed that, that we didn't get the promotion that we wanted or God didn't answer the prayer that we had hoped he would answer it in the way that we hoped he would answer it. You've got to look at God's track record. And you can't just take just that one moment in time of a challenge and say, God, I don't know if I can worship you. Because, see, it becomes the same thing that we see with our kids from time to time. God's done and doing all these amazing things in our life. And then suddenly we have this one moment and we're like, God, where are you? He's going, seriously, I promise to never leave you nor forsake you. Listen, and when you praise God in the middle of challenging times, just so you know, other people may think that you're crazy. In fact, a lot of people will be like Job's wife. When Job went through a challenging time, what she told Job was curse God and die. Now listen, I can understand the curse God part because of the fact she was frustrated with God, but curse God and die? Y'all get that? That's his wife saying that to him, right? And listen, sometimes when you're going through a challenging time, you may have people in your life that think you're absolutely nuts. And what they will say to you is, if God is so good, why did you lose your marriage? If God is so good, why did you lose your job? If God is so good, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, I can tell you why, because we live in a fallen world and there's a devil, the Bible says he's a thief, that has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and have life more abundantly. And I'm telling you, when you understand that, you can worship him anytime. 
So we've got to understand that our worship shouldn't fluctuate or change based on the challenges that we're currently dealing with. It's based on the whole scope of what God has done and what God is doing. And I'll have to say it again. Listen, if God didn't do one more thing for you and I, you and I could jump, shout, praise his name, lift up his voice, lift up our voices and shout his praises throughout all of eternity. Because he died for you and I. He saved us. He's healed us. He's provided amazing things for us. I'm going to close today with one final thought. In fact, I'm going to invite the worship team. If you guys would go ahead and come on up and be prepared to lead us in a song here in just a second. Listen, while worship isn't for us or about us, there is a transformative effect that happens in worship. While it's not about us, there's something that happens in our life. We, we get set free. We see this in the life of Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. They were out ministering and there was a demon-possessed girl and they cast a demon out of her and got thrown into prison. They were beaten with rods, they were flogged and in prison, they're faced with a choice and a decision. They're faced with the decision, am I going to worship God? Do I really believe in the goodness of God or am I going to allow this momentary light affliction to decide my worship? Here's what the Bible says in Acts chapter 16 that about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, again, a form of worship, and singing hymns to God. And other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. I want you to notice two things, last part. Notice that the prison doors were open, and that chains fell off of everyone. Listen, sometimes you don't recognize how powerful your worship actually is. Your words of declaration actually are. And I can't tell you how many times that I've been walking through something that was trying to bind me up in a prison of of doubt, fear, and unbelief, that there was this oppressive spirit coming on me. And I was faced with a a choice in that moment. Am I going to believe what's going on right now, how I feel right now? Or am I going to look at the larger understanding of what God has done in my life? And I'm telling you, as I learned to lift my voice, and it it was a process of learning it, but as I've learned to lift my voice and just praise him, I'm amazed that chains start falling off of me, and suddenly I walk in freedom like I've never understood before. And listen, I'm not telling you today that if you praise God that all your situations are just going to change. The storm that's going on suddenly is going to blow over, and the sun's going to come out, and it's going to be amazing. But I'm going to say that while the situation may not change, you're going to change. You're going to change. You're going to be resolved in your heart that I'm not going to have to deal with depression. I don't care how difficult this is. I'm not going to have to be fearful. I don't care what the challenge is that I'm facing today. Simply because I've stepped into a moment to praise God, chains are going to fall off of you. It creates in us hope. It refocuses off us off of this horrible situation, this challenging event that we're dealing with. Suddenly, and it brings hope into our lives. And here's what the writer of Hebrews says that, about it, that we have this hope as an anchor for our soul. I'm telling you, the enemy is after your hope all the time. He's after your hope because he recognizes if he gets your hope, he's got your faith. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. He's after your hope all the time. And I'm telling you, you're going to have to keep hope alive by connecting with the word of God, allowing the transformative work of God to begin to change your life. Listen today, I don't know what you're dealing with today, but I I promise you there's probably a lot of people, if not every person here, that's got something going on in their life. 
We've got some issues, some things that kind of create some turmoil in our life. And we've, we've got, been saying to God a lot, God, what's going on? God, have you left me? God, did you forget about me? And, and we're, we're, we're forgetting the larger work that God has already done in our lives. 